adding a paywall to your community can be stressful, especially when you've been functioning as a free service for so long. But if your community is growing, which I really hope it is, there will come a time when you need additional support in the form of finances in order to maintain the function and growth of your community. What will your members think? How many of them would be willing to buy in? How do you know you will have enough people to actually pay for the platform you need to run it? Welcome to Searching for Sustainable Self-Employment with me, your host, Joey Clarkson. In today's episode, we tackle all of that and more with our guest, Tara Henton. Tara is a Canadian singer-songwriter, music teacher, and community leader. In 2021, she not only launched her own music school, venturing into the world of self-employment, but she also launched an online weekly event for songwriters that would snowball into the thriving community that is known as We Write Songs. In our conversation today, Tara shares her experiences working as a singer-songwriter, how it felt to open up her own music school, and then she gives us a lot of insight on what it was like to move her community from a free venture into a paid space, charging members a monthly fee for involvement so she could take back control of her time and open new doors for what she could offer the We Write Songs community. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I've linked Tara's information in the show notes. And if you enjoy the conversation, please consider tossing Searching for Sustainable Self-Employment an honest review and follow us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to your podcasts on. All right, on to the conversation. So I'm here with Tara Henton today on this wonderful Monday morning, and I'm so excited to have you here. Tara, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Yeah! <laughs> it's Monday. Well, it's Monday. It is Monday. It's, it's, it's as good as a Monday's going to get at this point, and it's all the better for being here. So Excellent. I'm really excited to be here because uh, this morning I woke up and there was only enough coffee beans for one cup of coffee. Oh. And I was the bigger person and I gave the cup of coffee to Peter because oh, he's that's in the love, of his art Joey. challenge. I know it is love, <laughs> but you know those moments where you're like, I'm going to go into town and I'll get more coffee beans and I'll have my coffee mid-afternoon and then it doesn't happen and you regret being a better person. <laughs> so right now, what are, what beverage are you consuming? Uh, tea, oh. just breakfast tea. Okay. I was going to say, so you haven't gone on to anything stronger to try to oh, work your way through yet. the lack of coffee. No. Well, I'm going <laughs> to sit yet. here and very guiltily drink my coffee in front of you. Is that okay? Well, I'll, I'll still love you. I will still love you because you're taking time out of your day today. And I'm so excited. Um, you've done a lot. First and foremost, I think we bonded because uh, we're both Canadian and we live in the UK, we which do. is a which is lovely. And we're both singer songwriters. But you've done a lot in the past three years with music and building communities. And I think there's a lot of value in that that people can learn from. So I'm hoping we can discuss kind of how you got to be where you are now and go through your journey, which I think would probably start best with your songwriting. So can you tell me a bit about your songwriting and how it brought you to where you are now? Oh, goodness me. How long is this podcast going to be, Joey? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the, the abridged Should we do the abridged version? version? So I think, I mean, songwriting has just always kind of been there for me at parts of my life. It, it was more in the background. Um, but I, I mean, I have memories of swinging on the, the swing that my grandpa had made in the basement at my grandma's making up songs while I'm on the swing really young. Like I just, I, I think I've just always made up little songs and then it kind of morphed into 
being a teenager and, you know, that was kind of my my release. You know, I, I, I made I kind of half made up songs and then I also did a lot of parodies. Um, my cousin and I, it was hilarious. Like we would take songs and just completely mutilate the lyrics on them. <laughs> and we thought it was hilarious. And it's a shame that YouTube didn't exist back then because I'm sure some of them would have gone viral for all the wrong reasons because they were like... <laughs> <laughs> quite vulgar some of them but um anyway you know you kind of you, you do what you have to do when you're a teenager right to kind of like it was probably not as bad as some things I could have been up to <laughs> it was um <laughs> it was a release it was fun it was I grew up in a really small town so there wasn't an awful lot of entertainment going on so we provided the entertainment for ourselves um but yeah then I think as I got older I I realized it was a journaling thing and it helped me work through a lot of feelings and things like that but then there was a point where I think when I moved to the UK I, I became so consumed with my new career of being a primary teacher that it all just kind of went went under the bed for a while like it just it, I just I didn't I wasn't making time to write I, I was so caught up in the day-to-day -day hustle of the classroom that there were a lot of things I think I was neglecting and and having that creative outlet was definitely one of them um, and I think I was also suffering from I don't know whether it was a delusion or whether there was maybe some truth in it at that point, because I moved over to the UK in 2001, a long time ago. Um, but I just felt that there wasn't really anybody out there that wanted to hear what I had to offer, because I, I, I wasn't perceiving that there was a lot of country interest in the UK, um, which I think maybe to a certain extent was true, because the country scene has grown a lot over here, even in the last 10 years. So maybe maybe some of it was perception and maybe some of it was reality but I just thought well why why am I you know I wasn't even really gigging playing covers because I didn't think anybody really wanted to listen to it um so there was all of that kind of going on and static and then it wasn't until somewhere around 2010 so I think about a decade after I'd been over here where I, I realized that that was one of the things that was missing and I started carving out some time for it again. And really from that point to now, it's been, you know, just gradually kind of building, um, realizing that it wasn't enough to be writing it, that I actually needed to do something with it <laughs> because the shoebox wouldn't hold anymore, <laughs> figuratively speaking. You know, you think you're writing all these songs and you think, well, it, it, there's the side of writing that you do for yourself. And then there's the side of writing where it's like, actually that song it's not enough for me just to hear it. Maybe someone else could benefit from hearing that. And then getting over the emotional, you know, oh God, don't want someone to listen to my music. What, what if they don't like it? And going through all of that <laughs> kind of journey of accepting the, I don't even know, like the, like kind of embracing that insecurity and that not knowing. Mm -hmm. And then once I, once I got past that, um, yeah, that was kind of when things really started opening up for me as a songwriter. When I got past that initial, kind of anxiety about putting my my songs out there I think so. I think that's something that a lot of people go through and I think your story can resonate with a lot of people and their their journey to actually releasing music and following this as more than just a, a backseat passion um, because that it's really interesting that it took 10 years and that you said primary school um kind of was all consuming when you moved into that space in teaching yeah. which is another thing that we've bonded over in the past absolutely as well. yeah because I did my little I'm going to teach in primary schools for a couple of years and while I still love teaching music and I 
I love working with children. I really didn't enjoy the process of working in a primary school for my own reasons. Yeah. And I found it stifling and emotionally exhausting to the point where I just didn't have the time or the emotional capacity to focus on anything but my job. Completely. That That's absolutely it. And I think I also started feeling like, not a fraud, but that kind of thing, because it's like I'm teaching other people music because I, I did, even though I was working as a general primary teacher, as soon as someone gets wind that you've got any experience with music in the primary sector, you are the music coordinator. You are the person <laughs> in charge of the Christmas productions. You are you lead the choir. You're like, that's it. Mm-hmm. They do all that. Um, so I was doing a lot of music activities, but I, it wasn't really a creative outlet. It was more teaching the skills and and feeling like, well, I've got nothing left to offer at this point because I'm not filling up my cup as a as a creative mm. and feeling like I'm improving as a musician. I'm spending too much time disseminating knowledge and not enough time actually practicing what I preach and moving on. And so it, it got to the point where it was just like, oh, this just doesn't feel right anymore. I think it's re- that's really interesting, especially because I know where this conversation is going to lead to. And I think the, um, the community that you're building right now is benefiting from this journey that you were on. I, I can see a lot of a lot of your past mm. in your present right now, which is very cool. But before we move into that, I do want to touch briefly on uh, 2021. Mm. And the year that you continued to work in the public school system, but you also ventured outside of just writing music and releasing music, and you ventured into opening your own business as well. And I think that that is really interesting. So can you tell me a bit more about 2021, starting your first business outside of songwriting? I say outside of songwriting because it's hard to think of a time when we didn't actually do music it's just a part of who you are. Isn't Absolutely. It? We yeah. do need to treat yeah. it more like a business, but. And I'm still working on that bit of it. <laughs> I am too. But, um, but I mean, yeah, so 2021 obviously grew out of everything that happened in 2020. Um, you know, the pandemic sideswiped pretty much everybody in the world. And, you know, we were all dealing with a reality that we had no experience dealing with. Um, and one thing really, you know, solidified in my mind in that time was if this happens again, like meaning lockdown, I'm not going to be caught out this time. I had this mm. like, you know, I, I had a little bit of money from when my mom passed away. And I'm like, OK, what do I do with this money? Do I do I keep it and just sit there and look at it? Or do I actually invest it in my future? So I the first decision I took was to build my music studio. Um which felt very field of dreams when I did it because it was like, okay, I'm spending all this money on the studio. Now I actually have to do something in it. Otherwise it's just a really expensive vanity project that I could have achieved just by working in the loft anyway. So, but it, it was like, you know, I can't do anything musically at the moment because where I was at was the only chance I had to do anything was when Cassidy was sleeping. And of course, singing and doing demos and songwriting is not a great activity to be doing when you're two and a half year olds trying to sleep. So that was my priority was having a space that I could Mm -hmm. actually utilize for my creative pursuits. So that was built the autumn of 2020. And meanwhile, what was happening at that time was I was working um, in in many schools, working for a music service. I I work for, I still work for a school, um, but the role that I had at the music service involved going into five or six different schools, um, 
it was risk assessed for the pandemic, but it wasn't really risk assessed mm-hmm. for the pandemic. I became I became very I felt very unsafe. Um, I'm an, I'm asthmatic. I've you know got some health things going on, and I just I wasn't vaccinated at the time because that wasn't mm-hmm. where we were at with things. And I just took the decision, like, I don't feel safe doing this. I need a plan. I need a way of being able to teach everything that I know, but in a way where I'm not putting myself at risk going into schools, mixing with five or 600 children in two and day, two and a half days. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I didn't understand why any school would want me at that point. I was just like, I'm literally a walking contagion unit. Like, I've just come from two other schools. Why do you want me in your school? It made no sense to me. So mm-hmm. that was what sort of set me up to think, okay, I've got the space now. I am I am going to start an online music teaching business because I've got 20 odd years experience teaching music and the technology. It's one of the few things we have to be grateful for from from the pandemic mm-hmm. was the fact that streaming technology and the audio quality of streaming technology moved on exponentially in a very short time um, to the point where it was actually a feasible option. And and actually, I think in a lot of ways, people get better lessons from me online than they do when I teach in person because they can have it videoed and I can give them different angles and I can show them things that it's really hard. And also they've got their instrument. I've got mine. Whereas when you're teaching in person, you're constantly fighting for the middle of the keyboard, right? Like, no, I'm going to show you now. And you get, so there was just, there were so many things about it that I just thought, this is something I'm going to try, you know, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, I'm still building up my client base. Mm -hmm. Um, but I teach people all over the world. I have students in Europe, I have students in the States. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I have a few in the UK as well. Um, so that's, you know, I teach ukulele, I teach piano, and I also do um, some work with music theory, um, and also songwriting mentoring. So. That is incredible. I love that you took what could have just sat in a bank account, gathering gathering dust, and you invested it in something that's not only allowed you to start your own business and really start to see a return on your investment, but it also gave back to your heart, which is really nice. And it's something that will help you progress your, your songwriting career as well, because now you have this beautiful space to work in. And for those of you who are listening, this isn't going to be a video we release, but Tara's studio is so cute. It's just, it looks so peaceful. Oh, she's got instruments hanging up. It's just, it's a really lovely shade of blue. It's just like, it's really inviting. So that must feel really nice. So next time, next time you're up this way, you can pop in. We'll do a co-write in person. Yeah, we really want to. Oh, we would love to. We would love to. I could ask you so many questions about, about your business and how you got started. I do want to narrow it down to just just one before we move into the community aspect of what you're working on right now, which mm-hmm. is the We Write Songs community. Um, but with your own musical instruction business, how did you venture into finding your first students, your first clients with that business? So, I mean, a lot of it was word of mouth to start with. Um, and my my very first Uh, students that I had were students that I kind of knew or were on the peripheral of people that I knew in my day-to-day life. So I started by teaching kind of friends of friends. Um, I had a a daughter of a teacher that I were, you know, so they knew I was starting the business. Oh, so-and-so would really like lessons, you know, and there was that sort of thing going on. And I still get a lot of my, my business from word of mouth and just people shouting out on socials that, you know, what they kind of value about what I provide. Um, the advertising side of it, I'm still not great at. I'm, st- I'm trying to find a way 
of generating a stream of interest. And that's something I'm still unpicking as a business. Um, I've tried a few things. They haven't worked. I'm, I'm very much in this kind of trial and error kind of bit with that. Um, but luck, I'm in, I'm in the, a lucky situation where because I still work in a school one day a week and because I've been doing this as long as I have, that day income is actually, it goes quite a long way to buying me a little bit of breathing space while I'm kind of working out business models and things for my other yeah kind of aspirations so it, it, I'm, I'm a bit hovis it's kind of like best of both at the minute <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean there's this odd I don't know state of mind where people think it has to be one or the other they think yeah. you have to be employed or you have to be self-employed but the reality is that a lot of us just don't have the luxury of jumping into full-time self-employment the moment we decide we want it yeah. And uh, I think that what you've got lined up right now really is the best of both worlds because it is. It's allowing you enough space to focus on creating your business with intention from the beginning. And that is something that people who, like myself, who just jump into self-employment full time, <laughs> we don't always have the luxury that, that luxury, right, of yeah. being able to make intentional steps because we have to sometimes get a bit scrappy and uh, do what we need to do to stay afloat rather than yeah. doing what's best for the business. Absolutely. So it's a really interesting place that you're in. And um, I'm just I'm really impressed with the fact that you were able to do that and that you have students all across the world and that this is still something you can focus on while you've got so much other stuff going on. I would really like to segment into that other stuff now. Back in 2021, in January, when you started your own business, you also started a weekly meeting with a group of songwriters that has now developed into something much bigger. And I'm hoping we can talk a bit about that. So yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting time. I think you know, it's the best of times. It's the worst of times um, for creatives um, because it was this weird kind of in between lockdown thing, and obviously the whole music industry, and I think independent artists being the, the hardest hit. Um, you know, we saw incomes evaporating and all of a sudden lots of time on your hands. So lots of songwriting was going on from people. Um, and I just personally felt like I wanted some way of coming together with like-minded people and, and kind of saying, well, here's what I've done this week. What do you guys think? Um, and I, you know, there's a whole argument there of intrinsic and extrinsic, you know, like getting someone else's opinion on your things and how you value your own art. But there is something reassuring because I think I don't know. I think I think you'd be lying as songwriters if you thought that everything that you wrote was brilliant. Like sometimes I really don't know. Sometimes I think it's great and it turns out that it doesn't resonate with anybody. And then other times I think it's completely satisfactory at best and everybody thinks it's so I I've, I find I'm still trying to get my songwriting barometer to be more <laughs> kind of accurate of being able to judge. And I just find it really useful Um just being able to bring something in quite a raw form mm -hmm. to a group of songwriters and just say, what do you guys think? What's working? What's not, you know, and what, where do I need to put the work in? Cause there's nothing worse than spending so much time doing a demo, getting it all perfect and then getting really kind of, you know, feedback on it that isn't great. And you think, Oh God, if only I would have known that in the beginning. So for yeah. me, that was kind of where the value of the group was. And it, it was kind of originally going to be an open mic. And I thought, no, that's not what I want. I, I don't want just people just singing at each other over Zoom. I actually want is the feedback. Mm -hmm. that That's the important thing. And I don't think open mic nights necessarily always lend themselves to that because when you're performing in an open mic, you're doing it for everyone else's enjoyment. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily going to give you back anything useful because they're not listening with that set of ears. They're just 
it's enjoyment, um, which I suppose is, is its own bit of feedback if someone's enjoying your music. But anyway, that was kind of how it started. It was a weekly meeting on a Friday. We called it Feedback Friday. And, you know, we had a quite a nice group of people that would come fairly regularly. But the world was in a, we were in a second lockdown in the UK at that time. Mm-hmm. So nobody had anywhere else to go. <laughs> we kind of had a bit of a, you know, um, a captured audience. It's like, oh, great, we'll show up every Friday. Um, and there were people from, you know, we had people from Europe, people from Canada, people from the States. So it was quite, even then, quite a nice kind of global feedback community. Um, and then so how it evolved from there, the world started opening up again, mm-hmm. which was going to happen. And we wanted it to happen. But all of a sudden, Friday maybe wasn't the thing, you know, and, and some people could show up. Other people couldn't because they were gigging musicians. They had gigs mm-hmm. again. They had, you know, so it, it started dwindling. The interest in it started dwindling. But at the same time that the physical, not physical, but virtual attendance at the events started dwindling, the activity in the WhatsApp group that we had that was kind of, you know, how we kept in contact with each other got to the point where it was hurting my brain to deal with it Um, and trying to manage, you know, any kind of a a social community on WhatsApp. I'm sure people out there can feel my pain. When you look at your phone and you've got like 247 messages from one group. It's too much. If you are not the person running that group, you have the option to walk away, right? If you are the person running the group, you don't have a choice. You have to read through them all and it was becoming so like just not tedious but just very it was time consuming Mm -hmm. I was finding it frustrating because I was putting in all this work Mm -hmm. to kind of go through this group and getting five people showing up on a Friday because everyone else couldn't make it they were doing all their communicating in the whatsapp group and I just want to pause here for just one second because we haven't mentioned that this was a completely free service and a completely free group it didn't cost any money and you were volunteering your time to facilitate it that's right and and it was getting to the point where it was taking like hours of my week to you know and and also it got to the point where um what during during the lockdown bit of it when like when the group was had lots of interest there was no sign up system for people who wanted to share. It was literally just come along and share what you've been doing. So there were some weeks where we would start the call at 8.30 and it'd be midnight and we'd still be going. And it was like, okay, guys, I need to go to sleep. Like I got a, I got a four-year-old, you know, I got to get up in the morning. And of course you got people just talking and, you know, and and which is great. It's great to have Mm -hmm. those conversations, but it was very unstructured. And I, there's a part of me that likes that. And then there's the functional part of me that thinks, no, I need to know how many people are sharing every week. And mm-hmm. I need to, you know, I need to put a cap on it. Like this is going to be a two hour meeting, top whack, beginning to end. And if we can't fit you in, then you'll have to come next week. And, you know, at that point, when I started trying to put a little bit of structure on it, there was a little bit of, you know, there were some people within the, the group that found they, they didn't like the, the change of that. And they, you know, they preferred the freer model. But they weren't the ones that were hosting it every week. <laughs> so it, it got it got to that point where I just said, no, I'm sorry. If, if I'm going to carry on doing this, I need to structure this differently in a way that it, it can actually, you know, be contained in a way that mm-hmm. I can cope with. Um, so I started doing like using my my website for my teaching business and having like a sign up on there where they could sign up for slots, the booking calendar, because I was trying to use things I was already paying for Mm. because I didn't want to 
pay any money for something that was a free service. And so people, it was, there was, it was a bit of a laborious sign up system. And I was, so it was all, so he'd had a lot of growing pains at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, sorry, I'll let you go. Where, where were we going with this? Remind me of your question. I feel oh, like I've no. babbled. No, I, I was just talking. <laughs> you didn't babble. I wanted to interject and just say that it was a free service at this yeah. point because you were moving into a new space and it was becoming, I think we were discussing the WhatsApp group and how many messages were just yeah. bombarding your phone every day and how it was taking hours of your time to sift, sift. It was taking hours of your time to sift through these WhatsApp messages but they were hours that you're unpaid for. Yeah. And it could have, I think you were at that point probably feeling like this could be organized in a better way where my time is not being wasted, essentially. Yeah. Well, and it got to a point where, I mean, there was a member of the community, um, you know, who I approached and I said, look, like, I just, I need to vent. Like, I'm at the point where we either need to find a different way of doing this or I, I can't do it anymore because it's just it's 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 becoming so encompassing. Do, you know, it's it's mm -hmm. I'm not I'm it's taking time away from other things that I need to spend my time on that are either serving me more personally or they're actually generating income to, mm -hmm. to feed my family. So I said I, I so something needs to give. Um, so we at that point started exploring different community options because I felt very strongly that what I was essentially trying to do was run a community on a platform that at that time was not particularly the best platform I know now there's like a community feature within WhatsApp and I've, I've looked at it a little bit to be honest with you I don't I still don't think it provides the same kind of um, platform that other community platforms do um, but I think they're kind of realizing that they need to because that's basically what gets run on WhatsApp you have communities mm -hmm. you have huge communities that are run on a WhatsApp group um, but we explored other options we did a lot of surveys with with the, the community and the consensus was that the best platform that we decided to use was Mighty Networks um, it's not the cheapest platform so we we explored the idea of going to like a low-cost model to basically fund the platform that was the the, the point of it um and we, we we had a bit of resistance there were a few people that you know decided that that wasn't for them and i respect that you know there mm -hmm. are free communities out there um i think the difference is if you're hosting a community on facebook or somewhere like that it's free but you but you don't own it you don't you know you don't have the control over the platform whereas mm -hmm. when you're paying the money for it you do and to me that was really important so yeah, and I would say, because I've been inside the members platform, like I am a member of We Write Songs now, which is amazing. I've been really Yay! enjoying the process. Um, <laughs> but I would argue that Mighty Networks is very, very different from Facebook because Facebook, while it does have pictures and video separation and different ways of separating conversations, it doesn't do so to the extent that Mighty Networks does. And within the We Write Songs community on Mighty Networks, you can have different sections of your group for Feedback Friday or for uh, guest speakers who come in or for songwriting challenges. They're all contained in a very organized way that is not overwhelming to sift through when you want to find what you want and when you want to participate in what you want to participate in. Yeah, I think it's an incredible tool that you stumbled across. And I want to just touch base a little bit deeper on moving from a free service into a paid service and maybe how you navigated that and the support that you had around you for that 
during that time, because I think a lot of people will find value in how you worked through that and how you came to now be running what is very soon to be something that is sustainable and is not costing you any money. Um, because I think you're really close to hitting a big landmark. We, we really are. Soon. We are. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. So it was it was a very I found it quite stressful and, and there was a lot of insecurity for me doing it. And, and just I mean, you're saying, you know, a community that has value. But I, to be honest with you, at the time, I felt like I was trying to create something. I didn't know how many people would come with with us to mm -hmm. the new platform. There was just so many question marks. You know, what is that amount that we're going to be charging that will pay for the platform? Um, how sustainable is it if we're offering it monthly or annually? If it's monthly, then obviously people can cancel. Trying not to be in a situation where I'm forking out money for a platform and then not having anybody being part of the group, which was kind mm -hmm. of my um, catastrophizing, like worst case scenario was just we're going to build it and then everybody's going to run away. And like, you know, and there was all of that going on in my head. But I think broadly speaking, like I say, I think a key part of it was I had a lot of support through it. Um, there was one member of the community who I will shout out to, Andy Preston. Thank you so much for all of your support navigating through all of that. Andy um, not only is a brilliant songwriter, guitarist, um, but he has a lot. He's got a very business orientated head. He does mo motivational speaking for businesses for a living. So I needed the motivation. I needed the business sense. Being a creative I, I didn't feel that the business side of things was something that I'd ever really had to get my head around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and even from my my teaching business, there's been a huge learning curve going on there because this is the thing, right? Like when you're a creative, you don't you don't educate yourself in that skill set necessarily because you don't envisage that you're ever going to need it. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden when you do, you're like, holy man, I got a lot of studying to do here. There's a lot to understand. Um and I'm still learning. Every day is a school day. Um, but I think I think of my songwriting like that as well. That that to mm -hmm. me is just me. I'm always learning something and I wouldn't want it to be any other way. But anyway, very grateful to Andy for his support through that transition. And he highlighted to me how important it was to keep asking the community, giving the community options, polling the community to make sure that we had enough people coming with us mm -hmm. to at least make those initial stages feasible, if not sustainable. So we did surveys and things like that and, and basically came into two camps that well three. There, there were people who were very supportive of it, really valued everything that we had been doing, already saw it as a community mm -hmm. and actually, I think, kind of welcomed that change because they could see the things that like they could see the growth that was mm -hmm. possible in the community and they could also see the problems that I was seeing. And I felt like they were very much with me in, in terms of what I was seeing. Then there was a whole group in the middle who just had never thought of it that way before. They'd been getting something free for a very long time. And also, I think I was very good at hiding how stressful I was finding it because mm -hmm. they didn't see the six days a week when I was pulling my hair out. They saw me when I showed up on a Friday with a smile yeah, <laughs> on absolutely. my face. Um, and so they were, you know, they were willing to come along and try it out, but perhaps they just needed to kind of see it for themselves. They, they yeah. wanted to see the platform. So I actually funded the platform for two months without asking for any money from anybody as a goodwill gesture, just saying wow. like, guys, look, I think I've found 
something that is going to really help us grow as a community. I believe in it so much that I am going to just give you guys a free membership for two months. And I just want oh. you to just see what I'm seeing here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and luckily people saw that it was a good thing and, and then decided that when it came down to offering the membership, they were quite happy to yeah. come with us. And there was a small group of people who didn't see the value in it. And, and, and I respect that, you know, that I have, I'm, I'm not here to make anybody think something they don't, but I think really where their mindset was, was you've been doing it for free for so long. How dare you ask us for money now? Um, and I was like, well, look guys, you know, like there's lots of free things out there available mm -hmm. to you. And if you want to be part of those, that is your choice. But mm -hmm. this is my choice as the person who is running this and hosting this and managing this. Mm -hmm. This is my choice, you know, and, and the, the vast majority of the community see the value in it and are coming with us. So at the end of the day, there you go, you know, and that was that was kind of the discussion. There were no hard feelings. There, were, there yeah. was nothing like that. It was all very this is the direction we're going. If it's not the right direction for you, I respect that. Um, but like I say, it was it was a relatively small amount. So yeah. that made me realize that actually people were seeing the value of what we were doing. Um, but I think the the mindset thing that had to shift was you're not being charged this money for Feedback Friday. You're being charged this money for a community platform that offers that as one little piece of it and, a, and options to do a lot of other things. And that was the, the mindset mm -hmm. shift that had to happen with the community for them to really realize my vision for it. Like I just saw that I had, I felt like I had so much more to offer, like with my background in music and education and, and also the personal journey that I've been through, because I've had to overcome a lot of self-doubt and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I could see a lot of members in the community that were at various stages of that same journey. Yeah. And I just wanted a way to give them the support that they needed to grow in the direction that they wanted to. I, I love it. I love what you've done with the community. And I think it was very brave to move into a paid space. And I admire how <laughs> professionally you handled the transition. And he is a joy um, that is I couldn't I honestly couldn't have done it without him like it's, honestly he might say differently but I I he was such a support there were lots of other members who were very supportive but yeah. Andy was the one we were having meetings I was in Canada for the summer because we actually started the community from the first of September um just last year 2022 so I was home for six weeks and the the number of times my dad walked into the kitchen going are you talking to that Andy guy again you know <laughs> we'd have all these meetings go what do we do you know and what what feedback have we got and what does that mean and <laughs> trying oh, to think of it yeah so it was an interesting time but sorry I, I interrupted no I think that's that's adorable I think that um it's just it's really lucky that you had people in your corner for that I didn't realize it was only September that you moved yeah. into the paid space and you said where you turned it into a community I think that we write songs has been a community since you started it back in <laughs> that was uh, just when we stuck Friday. the label on it but that's yeah. when you stuck the label on it so in September, you moved into a broader community where you had more features and actually had the technology to support what you wanted to facilitate with We Write Songs. Yeah. And you did that for two months of free membership. So that would be September. So we, we did kind of July and August were kind oh, of the okay. transition months. And then we sort of drew a line in the sand September and said, that's OK, amazing. that's kind of the point where we need you guys to make a commitment. Like, are you with us? 
Um, and that was there were a lot of conversations that went on over that summer. Like Andy and I were actually having one to one meetings with, yeah. well, not one to one meetings, but like Andy and I meeting with different members of the community yeah. on Zoom um, and just saying, look, like, you know, we've we, obviously we've got your feedback. Are you with us? Because yeah. my like I said to you before, my greatest fear was taking that plunge <laughs> and then being like, I'm all alone here. It's like the Mary Celeste. Where did everybody go? You know, but you didn't and, you, you did it in a way that made you feel safe and secure. And that was important because everybody there's going to be lots of people who are listening to this who are in very different stages of their journey and they could be in a very similar headspace to you. They might be more risk adverse or less risk adverse, but it's really, really cool to hear that you did what you needed to do to feel comfortable about that transition. And then you moved when you were ready, because I think as small business owners, being comfortable is is important. I know that you still have to do things that scare you as a small business. You still have to push your boundaries. And I'm sure you were still shaking in September. Oh, there was a lot of boundary pushing going but on <laughs> in that period. Oh, my days there was. <laughs> but the point is you, you pushed your boundaries, but you also gave yourself enough security and enough preparation to feel like you were safe in pushing those boundaries. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's very just kudos to you for doing it because that's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank and we you. haven't mentioned we've we've thrown around the months of of starting and we've thrown around some years before. So you started this in We Write Songs was 2021 January. And then a So full, Feedback Friday yeah. started January 2021. Yeah. yeah. And then um, July 2022 is when you moved into the free trial basis of We yeah. Write Songs. Yeah. And then that was free for July and August, line drawn through the sand for September, I guess it's not through the sand. It's through something more definitive than sand because it was, yeah. nope, this well, that, is it. We, we just kind of felt like we needed to have like a, a point. Yes. Like, you know, we're, we're willing to give you guys a taste of what we're doing, but there yeah. is going to come a point where you're going to need to show a level of commitment totally. to what we're doing. Totally. That and that was it. September 2022. And mm-hmm. now we're sitting here speaking February 2023. So a little over, is it five months? Am I doing my math right? Well, first of, of, first of March, it'll be six months. Ah, so just at the half, the half a year mark, we're sitting down and you're about to hit a fairly major milestone. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, before we before we came on to do this podcast, I was looking at just my numbers. And, and actually, if OK, if you take out there are three expenses that I have taken out of the income generated. And basically all those expenses have been towards things that I use to run the community. And I haven't I've, I've worked out a fraction thereof because they're all things that I use for other aspects of my business. If I added those amounts back in and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just pretended for a minute that I didn't take them out, we've already hit the landmark. <laughs> but let's just, yeah. So let's just kind of like, okay, we're back back where we were. Um, yeah, literally, we're about, I've, I've had a pot set up in my business account since this started. And any of the membership money that's come in goes directly into that pot, obviously minus the expenses from Stripe, the processing costs. Mm-hmm. Um so it's taken a while, but we finally got to the point where I think I'm sitting like 98% of our goal of a thousand pounds sitting in, in that account. And the cost in Mighty Networks of paying for the next level up on the plan for the annual, it's like 1,188 US dollars. So depending on what the exchange rate is on a given day, it sits just under a thousand pounds. So the way I can calculate it is I think we're about 25 pounds away from being able to invest in one year, not of the community plan, but the business 
plan, which is like the middle of the road plan, um, which is going to open up. I'm really excited about the possibilities of what it's going to open up for the community. It allows things to be structured in courses. It allows for Zapier integration, which again is going to help to claw back some of my time from some of the little tasks that I do to maintain the community. Um, Silly things like right Mm. now I send out a weekly invite, but I use MailChimp. And whenever a member joins in We Write Songs, I have to manually go, okay, I'm going to take that email address. I'm going to go over to MailChimp. I'm going to add it to the list. It's all things that Zapier could do. Just need to have the, you know, now it actually has the function that we can invest so in that cool. and we can afford it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. But it's the courses that I'm really excited about. Not really from a monetary standpoint, although it does open up that possibility and I'm mm-hmm. not blind to that in the future. But it, at the moment, that's not where my headspace is with it. It's more the fact that it allows you to drip feed content. Yeah. And in a way where people can interact with it if they choose to. So they mm-hmm. can join a course. It's not like me chucking them in a space going, you will look at my motivational posts that I put <laughs> on every week and you will like it. Um, they can choose, you know, yeah. I want to do a, a seven day journal writing challenge. Great. I'm going to sign up for that course and they can work through it. They don't have to start it when I tell them to. Yeah. They can start it at any point that suits them. So I think it's going to put a lot more flexibility Um, in the community which I'm so excited about I think that is so cool and I just want to kind of throw it back you said finally but honestly six months to hit that point when you're working on low membership fees because your membership fees are very affordably priced I think that's incredible I think that that is a huge feat and you shouldn't be downplaying that that's oh well thank you um and I I honestly I honestly feel like there's so much value in the we write songs community um even if it's just narrowing it down to accountability for songwriters, it gives you somebody to be accountable to when you say that you're going to do something, when you say you're going to sit down and write, it gives you people who are supportive, who will listen to you and who will encourage you when you need a little extra help to stay on task. Yeah, and absolutely. That's hard to find. It's mm. really hard to find out other places. So that's very, very cool. I'm very excited oh, for the future you. of We Write Songs. Yeah, I am as well. And, you know, I think just worth noting at the time of recording, we are still in the point where we're offering what we're calling our founding member membership or subscription amount. Um, you know, my logic was when we started this, it was, I mean, I keep using the Field of Dreams reference, but it was a little bit like that. I'm trying to convince people to join a community. Well, I know there was already a community, but join a platform mm-hmm. to host the community when they had no concept of what it was. There was there were no resources on there yet. So there there was an element of trust and, and blind mm-hmm. faith going on other than just they knew what they were getting because they knew me. Um, but we, you know, at some point, again, drawing lines in sand or whatever you want to draw them in, we are going to close that founding membership bit um, because now I think the the perception is that there is so much more value in the community that actually we, we, we probably could charge a little bit more than what we're doing which is going to open it up to being able to afford more automation, things like that, and also be able to hopefully have some um, industry guest speakers come in who may or may not charge a fee for their time. At the Mm -hmm. moment, we're not in a position to be able to pay that. I would like to be in a position where we could offer incentives to then bring people in to, you know, raise the bar of what we're able to offer in the community even more. I think that's so cool. It's so cool. Um, so if anybody's interested in learning more about the We Write Songs community and how they can become a part of it, where is the best place for them to do that? 
Um, so we are at the moment, at the time of recording, we haven't actually got a website for the community. That is something that we're going to be actioning because I, I feel like it needs a place to exist. Um, but there are links to it from my website. There's There are links to it or there will be very soon from Celine Ellis's website. Because um, another little bit of news, her and I are launching a podcast. <laughs> Which is amazing. I'm so um, excited yeah, for so it. it'll be called the We Write Songs podcast. Um, we're, we're, we had a bit of a setback. Celine, bless her, she had some training to do this month. We obviously we had to cancel our recording sessions. So we're gonna we're getting it recorded. It's Good. probably March is gonna be the month when it comes out. Um so we'll have links, there'll be links for all of that on our sites. But to reach out via email, I'm just getting getting up the email address. If you want to email about it, it is we write songs.mn from Mighty Networks at gmail.com. That is that is what we've got at the moment. But certainly if you just look up Tara Hinton music anywhere, pretty much everything I've got out there has links to we write songs to it. So if you want more and- information just get in touch i'll definitely make sure i link to that in the podcast show notes as well so if anybody's listening i'll link to that email address and just to clarify if anybody's not really familiar with mighty networks because tara said oh we don't have a website yet what she means is that she doesn't have a we write songs.com website that works as a website but the mighty networks platform essentially lives in an app that you can download to your phone or you can access it on any internet browser and it it works as as a website so it, it is a website but it's it's like a community app um, yeah so if you go on to mighty networks and then there is the facility within mighty networks to search for we write songs and then it comes up with our little mighty networks hosted community basically absolutely um, yeah but i feel that we need to evolve to have a, a we write songs website that has podcast replays and has all the links to socials which don't exist yet for for we write songs I kind of feel like it it needs its own place to live in that sense for people to find it Um, yes I agree I think that that's gonna be that's gonna be another great stretch goal for once you once you've reached your your 1000 pound goal and you get to upgrade for the annual business uh, next membership Mm. level for mighty networks then you can focus on the website because that costs money too absolutely yeah Awesome. Well, Tara, thank you so much. Um, Before we end this, I was hoping that you might be able to pass on any words of advice for anybody out there who might be starting a community. Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I think you need to know who is going to be in your community before you start a community. Definitely. Um, and, And I think there's an element of being patient and and listening, listening to what your community wants rather than just giving them what you think they want or what you want. Um, Because, I mean, I think I could have quite happily just told them all in June, you know, guys, we're going on to Mighty Networks. I can't deal with this anymore. But I I, honestly, I don't know how many of them would have come because I don't think I would have given them the, I wouldn't have had the patience with them to let them see a little bit of of things from my side. So it's very much like a a communication thing back and forth, you know, rather than a a dictatorship. And actually that is a huge thing about how I run the community. I don't, I don't see myself as an authority in songwriting. I'm a songwriter. I'm a musician. Everybody in that group are songwriters and musicians. I'm, I'm nothing special in that regard. But for me, it's, I'm facilitating. That is my role in that community is I'm facilitating and I'm, you know, so in that sense, understanding that it's a dialogue and, and the decisions that go on in the community, I'm not there telling them that I know the best thing. You know, I'm I'm asking them, what do you guys need? And 
so having that that conversation I think is really important any kind of community building I love that I think that that's that's such such great advice thank you so much Tara for your time today I really appreciate it thanks for having me Joey it's been great listening to what your community wants rather than just giving them what you think they want or what you want absolute gold in the form of advice. That conversation gave me so much energy and inspiration. I certainly hope it did the same for you. A quick reminder that I've linked Tara's information in the show notes, so if you would like to reach out to her or learn more about the We Write Songs community, you can find that information there. And that's the sound for our actionable task. Bet you thought you were free from that one because this was an in-conversation episode. Joke's on you. I've got a good one for you today. Super simple. I want you to take a page from Tara's book and poll your audience with a multiple choice poll on social media. Pick something that will help you better tailor your content and services for your audience. What do I mean by that? Instead of asking a question like, which season is your favorite? Ask them something related to your brand. For instance, in Tara's case, a question she could ask would be, at what time of day do you feel the most creative? with morning, afternoon, and nighttime as options. Because her community is all about songwriting, so that might better help her decide when she should be hosting her activities or when she should be creating content and scheduling it to help inspire her members. Your actionable task doesn't just stop there, though. Once you've learned something from your audience with this poll, I want to make sure you actually apply what you've learned on a future post or activity. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. If you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this podcast, please make sure to send them a link. We would really appreciate it. It really helps small podcasts like this one grow. All right, I'll see you next time on Searching for Sustainable Self-Employment. That's it from me for now. Okay, bye.